keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Hey, welcome to uh, Wrestle Roast this week. I am your host for the week, Mike Lawrence. Uh, we got Scott Chaplin. We do. We've got uh, Robert Karpolis. Hello. And we have uh, special guest Harry Targenian, right? Yeah, bud. Sorry, buddy. It's been a while. Uh, That's all good. Dude, if you were in the WWE, you'd just be Harry. That's true. Or Targe. Sorry, brother. Yeah, Targe. They'd call him Targe and then wonder why he didn't get over. Um, Well, first, somebody would have to explain to Vince McMahon what an Armenian is. That would take a while. He'd be excited about the genocide. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I like that part. (laughs) Wait, did they fight back? Yeah. Pussies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. So uh, Dan is uh, Dan may be joining us. He may not be. Um, He's busy he trying just... to glue his beard back to his face. It was immediate regret when he shaved yeah, clearly, it. Clearly on the run. I don't know what this was about. It's not even like it's for anybody because no one knows him as that. So unless someone was like, I don't want you. And then he's he'll like, he's like, I'll change. <laughs> and that's what yeah. he meant, you know? Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we we will uh, we, we lost uh, two important uh, people in wrestling this week, um, uh, Blackjack Lanza and Dan's Beard. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> I found out both of those from the Wrestle Roast Facebook group, by the way. That's how <laughs> fucked this up this is. Someone posted a picture of Dan oh, shaved, <laughs> and I said, I was like, yeah, but he still looks like he'd host a wrestling podcast. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man. If you you can go online, you can see uh, Dan uh, in all his beardless glory. It's amazing. Um, and who else is amazing is uh, today's roast subject. Uh, we are going to be talking about Minoru Suzuki. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about Charlotte Flair. And following week for our Christmas episode, we will be talking about. Santa Claus himself, Mick Foley. I, I couldn't think of a better Christmas than maybe Santa Claus, but we're going to do Mick Foley uh, so that we don't have to write a bunch of Santa Claus jokes. Um, and uh, and we're going to do a thing. Um, me, Zach, Robert, uh, Scott, and Dan, uh, a secret Santa Patreon. We are each picking a wrestler uh, to do a cameo for one of the other co-hosts uh $50 and under so only the best um <laughs> uh you know so that'll be really fun and we'll do that on our christmas show but let's get into uh suzuki uh scott you've never mentioned your love of japanese wrestling but what do you think of minoru suzuki oh man i think he's a staple of japanese wrestling um not even just New Japan. I mean, he was in all Japan and uh, 
you know, having Pancras before that and or Pancras, however you say it, and, um, you know, the legit like shoot background and who he is and how he acts. And there's like historical value to him uh, in terms of Japanese or the current style of Japanese wrestling. And, uh, and I think he's a fun thing that's easy for Americans to digest because he acts like a maniac. He looks like a maniac. It's something to really get revved up about. Uh, and so it works. He's what, 53? Is he 53, yeah. 52, 53? Uh, and he can go, man. I mean, he doesn't look great, but he can go. Yeah. Uh, Harry, what do you give him think? More than four minutes. <laughs> Uh, you know, for me, I kind of caught on to him in later years because I'm not like super deep into Japanese wrestling. And I knew him sort of as a comedy guy in a weird way because he went into different like phases. So he's always been a tough guy, but he he's done like some real interesting comedic matches. Yeah, he was uh, in DDT for a while, yeah. too, which is like, you know, th th that's the promotion that every like Jim Cornette, you know, hopes Kenny Omega fucking dies because of the stuff he did in DDT. Well, Suzuki was there too. Uh, yeah, that's funny because, yeah, Cornette can't be like, but he ain't fucking tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, would, he would destroy uh, Dr. Death. <laughs> he would be Dr. Death's death doctor. <laughs> if he already didn't have one. Uh, you want, Harry? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I kind of always dug him that. I've gotten into him in, in recent years. I think, like, he has this really cool style and people are into him just because he's kind of fun in a weird way. So it's interesting to catch him at that phase. It kind of reminds me of like Stone Cold Steve Austin when Stone Cold would be kind of fun. Could still be like taken seriously, but a, a good time to watch. And uh, I got to see him a little bit on this American tour and I even uh, took my girlfriend and she's just getting into wrestling and she didn't understand at first. And she's like, well, I don't get what the big deal is until she saw him actually wrestle in gcw and uh she saw homicide wrestling and she kind of got it like like the charisma that he has through his moves if that makes sense yeah and then she was like why isn't that guy called homicide that's true too <laughs> <laughs> uh robert so questions your thoughts on Minoru suzuki i'm i'm more taken aback by the fact that harry's dating a girl who's excited about learning about pro wrestling you need to marry this girl by the end yeah. of this show well he didn't uh, know he said she's getting into wrestling yeah. that, 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 that's all it, it takes forced or not it's got, yeah but that's no, the first step her. that's that's love but that's he, when yeah. he showed her nick gage and he's still able to say my girlfriend in the present tense right it's pretty right she's uh, still hanging around so, yeah, Suzuki is is one of those names that trans that you know it, it it transplanted from Japan to the United States. It was something you would always hear about on online for for years and years. It was a very mythical figure. The Pancrase stuff uh, and the fact that that really helped launch mixed martial arts in Japan as as a viable uh, business. Uh, his his serious matches, his his strong style kind of matches were were feared and scary. He can do the humor. He he understands what his character is and doesn't take himself as seriously as it seems that he does. Uh, even on this most recent you know run that he had, he he wrestled at uh, you know Bloodsport. Uh, he, he worked with Riddle. He's worked the GCW shows when he went into AEW and when he went into Impact. He was respectful of what they wanted and he put guys over 
And that's that's the biggest testament to who he is as a person, that it's giving back to the business. Um, he's somebody who, yes, you could see him in Tokyo Dome for a New Japan show and Meltzer can give him 75 stars and that's all great and wonderful. But like Scott said, he's someone who can translate to the United States. Not have to cut a promo. You see that guy, you get everything you need to understand from, from Suzuki, um, which having that kind of presence as a wrestler is a very valuable commodity. And the fact that he is in his 50s and the story is less all right, it's this old man who's going out there and wrestling more. All right, this guy is going to fucking kill somebody. And uh, I hope he doesn't get blood in the first three rows. Like, that's all that matters. And every company he goes to, they treat him with reverence and respect, which is a hell of a lot more than what we're going to do to him in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go, man. I, I, I think that, you know, one of the things you always strive for in wrestling is believability, right? Like, Everything else is bullshit, but that's legit. And, you know, he definitely is that. Like, he he is real. Um, he is believable. Um, and he's awesome. And, and for so many wrestlers that, like, don't know how to age uh, gracefully, <laughs> Jericho. Um, sorry, I had a little cough, and then I said a name afterwards. Um, you know, <laughs> for, but, but, like, you, you know, you think, like, like, how sad Taker was. You know, and Taker was, like, this age when he was, like, towards the end. You know, like, guys who try to still be what they were as opposed to embracing who they are. And I feel like Minoru Suzuki kind of does that. Like, he is, like, a little, like, old and, and crotchety, but it's fucking awesome. Like, he does look like he just, like, wandered in from somewhere to kick your ass. Like, and, and you buy it, you know? And, and, uh, and I think... He's a guy, when I watched, uh, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, I think like two or three years ago, you know, a lot of the, the wrestlers like just didn't capture me that much. But this guy was like, oh, fuck, that guy's great. And then I just watched a bunch of like videos of him like beating up young lions. And it was fucking awesome. Um, you know, he's a really uh, fucking fun. I mean, look, like even when they kind of botched him a little bit in AEW at the beginning, it still felt like a, he was a big fucking deal. I mean, the fact that, you know, Moxley was in his hometown and this is the guy he wanted to wrestle and it was believable and it made sense. And we all were like, why the fuck Kojima? No, we want Suzuki. <laughs> and, then, and then we and got Brian it. The Danielson know. match, man. I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting because it's like, you know, on that show, he is – kind of an afterthought in the sense that you had, you know, Cole, uh, Danielson and, and, and Ruby Soho, but it was still fucking like big in the night of like, Oh shit, Suzuki's here. And like Such his cool entrance moment. got a bigger reaction than the 11 minute match Moxley had just had. <laughs> people went fucking crazy for it. And even if you, you know, there's a lot of guys like AEW puts on and, and you don't know who they are. And, you know, they do an okay job of explaining who they are, but it's really hard to capture someone's career in like a couple sentences, but he's a guy that like whatever uh, Excalibur says about him, I believe. And I can't say that about a lot of wrestlers. <laughs> well, he looks the gimmick, like the way he yeah. moves and wrestles is the, it explains everything. You don't need catch up. Wait, what did he do? Oh, he's been biting dudes in the face in Japan. Okay. That's what he does. And kudos, I mean, like, kudos to a guy who, you know, not every MMA fighter makes the transition 
like to the level that this guy has, you know. I mean, Shamrock was around at WWE for a couple of years. You had Tank Abbott in WCW. I mean, and this guy was like, you know, a uh, fucking like one of those guys. Like, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but uh, contemporary of those guys. And he switched from real to fake effortlessly. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. Uh, I will. Oh, hey, and also a stud. You ever seen him with hair in the past? Yeah, man. Man, killer. Cool guy. Yeah, cooler but, uh, than us. We'll fuck yeah, you up. Saying. All right. So I'm going to go great. over yeah. some accomplishments. We have Triple Crown uh, Heavyweight Championship in All Japan Wrestling two times, uh, All Asia Tag Team Championship uh, in All Japan Wrestling, New Japan. He is the IWGP Intercontinental Champion one time, IWGP Tag Team Champion, uh, Never Open Weight Championship, and G1 Tag League uh, winner with uh, Lance Archer, uh, ranked number 14 of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500. Um, you know, just, just imagine Bill after watching Suzuki matches. That's not this year, right? Oh, no, that's, that's a year. 2007. Oh, okay. I was going to say what. He's also a guy, like, he could be number 14 any year, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you go like, oh, he had five great matches? Yeah, I believe it. And then Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the most important of them all, match of the year twice. With Tanahashi? In 2012 with uh, Tanahashi, and in 2014 with AJ Styles. And in the Observer Hall of Fame, which Dan did not get to vote on yet that's literally <laughs> why he's shaving he's, he has an interview with Meltzer tonight <laughs> Dave's going to count every hair that he removed from his face like, people are calling me an internet neckbeard so if I get rid of my neckbeard I won't be a neckbeard anymore <laughs> alright are you guys re- ready like, to Dan's use like the- a reverse Hollywood Hogan this is his heel turn just by shaving <laughs> <laughs> getting rid of the facial hair oh i was gonna say too like you know what like suzuki feels like the leslie nielsen of wrestling <laughs> where okay. he was like real serious and legit and now he could do like oh, yeah and whatever and you're like oh that's fun <laughs> is there anybody else like that in wrestling that they're like silly in their age but it makes sense mick foley i think foley, right? yeah. yeah in moments right uh, rick flair on airplanes that's true. Oh my god. <laughs> Not if you ask the uh the stewardesses or the flight attendants. They took that very seriously. They didn't see I, the comedy I, I, Harry, you may not know this. I tell all jokes from the perspective of Tommy Dreamer. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you may say I'm Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> But I do not own a gun. <laughs> Imagine all the people <laughs> that he thinks are fans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's roast uh, Suzuki. Uh, let's roast someone people care about. Uh, Suzuki, uh, uh, Harry, uh, you get to pick uh, where you go in the lineup. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want to go second, third, or fourth? I'll go third. I'll go third. All right, you'll go third. Yeah. Um, you know, fuck it. I'll go first. Uh, here we go. Um, 
Today, we're talking about Minoru Suzuki because focusing an episode on a New Japan star is just as effective but way cheaper than buying Scott a birthday present. (laughs) Scott's really happy today. He's going to jerk off and finish more abruptly than Kaze Niner on an AEW broadcast. (laughs) Will this be the lowest rated episode of our podcast? Probably, but the work rate of the roast jokes is going to be so good, you guys. The work rate. (laughs) He's wrestled all over in many promotions that wish that they could afford the great Muda instead. (laughs) He's the biggest current star where it totally makes sense to put his matches on YouTube instead of TV. Minoru <laughs> Suzuki, the man too big for Rampage. <laughs> the joke's really on me, guys. I thought I'd have a successful writing career this year, and instead I'm making fun of a 53-year-old Japanese guy who hair, whose haircut looks like an ant farm. <laughs> Seriously, that haircut looks like the result of a bad blade job. Uh, he's lasted way longer this is my scott joke of of, of the week Uh, harry scott jokes are just puns they're just the best joke this is the best joke (laughs) yeah they're just puns you're not sure works so you do a preface before to say (laughs) gotcha gotcha and then you explain it then you explain it here we go uh (laughs) he's lasted way longer than he should have and just shows up whatever day he wants they should change his name to Menorah Suzuki. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's also a Robert joke. I realize. <laughs> uh, he's a tough dude. He's murdered more young lions than the Trump sons on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the guy bullies and beats up young wrestlers. He's like if Bob Holly had a better grasp of the English language. <laughs> he's a tough guy if he was around in world war ii he would have no sold hiroshima and nagasaki <laughs> in mma he has 30 wins and 19 losses which also feels like the win-loss record of every aew mid-carter <laughs> like i'm pretty sure 30 wins and 19 losses is something you could say about joey janela and the blade <laughs> Uh, he was finally he was put into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame probably before Meltzer even knew who he was. His last name Suzuki, definitely, definitely in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and that's it for me. Uh, Robert, uh, today we are roasting Minoru Suzuki. I remember his unique gear, the vignettes hyping his debut, and his tag team with Rene Dupree. And fuck, I just realized I thought he was Kenzuki Suzuki. suzuki was one of the founders of pancrase if you replace the crowd noise during a pancrase match with saxophone music it would do very well on pornhub (laughs) look i'm not saying suzuki pancrase matches are boring but halfway through one of the ones i had to watch today i was hoping ryback would show up and talk about spicy chicken sandwiches Not to get too inside baseball here, but Mike picks all of our roast topics. In a few weeks, we're roasting Mick Foley because it's Christmas. It feels a bit coincidental we're roasting Suzuki on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. (laughs) (laughs) Suzuki and Yuji Nagata met while in high school, which sounds like what would happen if Dave Meltzer pitched a Saved by the Bell reboot. (laughs) While competing in Pancrase, Suzuki defeated Ken Shamrock. Shamrock said Suzuki was tougher than trying to deliver an in-ring promo. (laughs) Suzuki was a motion actor for the game Tekken. 
not to be outdone, Teddy Hart was the inspiration for several Grand Theft Auto games. <laughs> <laughs> Suzuki's success in Pancrase led to an increase in the popularity of MMA in his home country, making him the father of mixed martial arts and the grandfather of CTE in Japan. <laughs> Suzuki's haircut reminds me of the hedge maze in The Shining, which in turn reminds me that instead of watching Pancrase, I'd rather be watching The Shining. <laughs> When asked about Minoru Suzuki, Jerry Lawler replied, God bless you. <laughs> Suzuki formed a stable called Suzuki Gun, which sadly contained no offspring of Billy Gunn, nor Arn Anderson wielding a pistol. <laughs> Suzuki Gun included Lance Archer, Takamichi Noku, and Shelton Benjamin. So yeah, their promos weren't great. <laughs> Suzuki came to the U.S. and had to run an impact wrestling, which is further proof that COVID lockdowns had an upside. <laughs> All right, this joke I fucking love, and I don't care that everyone's going to hate it, but it's a shame Vince McMahon never got his hands on Suzuki. His celebrity WrestleMania match against Joe Isuzu would have been legendary. Who's this? Who is that? Because Suzuki and Isuzu... Joe Isuzu was the spokesman for the Isuzu car brand in the oh, late it's like 80s the Suzu, and early just, 90s. Just the Suzu. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Suzuki is an imposing figure. His face can best be described as the look Dan's wife gives him when she hears him listening to the observer. <laughs> in the end, I'm about as qualified to talk about Minoru Suzuki as AJ Styles is qualified to talk about geography or Jackson Riker is to talk about race relations, or Hulk Hogan is to talk about race relations, or Vince McMahon is to talk about race relations, or look, there's a lot of racists in wrestling, but you know who isn't racist? Minoru Suzuki. At least I don't think he is. Honestly, I mainly know him as the guy who did those shitty headbutts against John Moxley on Dynamite. I can't wait, get, I can't wait till we get back to roasting big names like Harvey Wimpleman. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Roast the Harvey Wimpleman coming soon. <laughs> Seems like a really nice guy who cried when the rock bought him a car. Uh, <laughs> it's a good place for him to live. <laughs> <laughs> you All know. right. I'm excited. To, I just want to say right off the bat, guys, I'm excited to do this roast. Uh, I, I listen to the show. I'm a fan. I have oh, my friends. My friends are on it. Uh, but I had a weird feeling about this particular roast. And I think it's because of the roastee, Minoru Suzuki. The first thing I noticed was that Dan booked me weeks in advance and confirmed with me several times that I was still a go, which leads me to believe this show has more cancellations than a Joey Ryan Christmas party. <laughs> it was a long one to get to that. I was really excited to do this, but then I found out who we're roasting, Minoru Suzuki. Could we get somebody more obscure to roast? If he were any more unknown in the wrestling business, he'd be the Ring of Honor world champion. <laughs> you know what it's like to have to tell your girlfriend no baby we can't go out tonight i have to write jokes for a virtual roast for jet for japan's 37th most popular wrestler <laughs> but it's okay because i'm not getting paid <laughs> seriously if there were any less of an audience for this we'd have to change the name of the show to 205 live <laughs> most people were familiar with suzuki because they were tape traders Let's be honest, there's only two categories of tape traders, wrestling fans and convicted pedophiles <laughs> who sometimes watch wrestling. Scott has never been convicted. <laughs> I first became aware of the name Minoru Suzuki when I read the top line of my eye chart during an eye exam. 
Suzuki is renowned for his violent tendencies, aggressive nature, and sadistic smile, which coincidentally is also Teddy Hart's Tinder profile. Second Teddy Hart joke of the night. Um, Minoru Suzuki wrestled Brian Danielson in AEW this year and beat the hell out of him. The last time Danielson was hurt that badly, it was by WWE Creative. Suzuki has been praised many times by elite fighters such as Josh Barnett, Bass Rutten, and Ken Shamrock. But in all fairness, what do they know? They get kicked in the head for a living. (laughs) Suzuki wrestled in an empty stadium match, or as Impact calls it, a house show. Or taping, or or pay-per-view. I actually follow Suzuki on Instagram. A lot of his posts require translations, but in all fairness, so do Scott Steiner's. Uh, if he doesn't show himself as a bloody mess or in a wrestling ring the rest of his posts are pictures of his socks and shoes feet violence and wrestling that's also tony atlas's browsing history uh suzuki reunited this year with his japanese tag partner lance archer which marks the first time anyone in america said hey lance archer it's so good to see you uh suzuki has is known for his bizarre haircuts his skull has had more lines if his if his skull had any more lines running through it marty janetti would be hovering above him with a straw (laughs) (laughs) from the outside it seems like manuro has a haircut of a mental defective but it's actually there so nicholas cage can use it to find the original constitution (laughs) people don't know this but the way suzuki gets his haircut he goes to the barber and says hey have you ever seen my cte scan and the barber says, say no more, fam. <laughs> Suzuki once wrestled in a hair versus hair match. I mean, really? Is that a big stipulation? That's like Jeff Hardy wrestling in a loser goes to rehab match. <laughs> By the way, I wrote that joke 10 days ago. <laughs> this year, Suzuki came to GCW where he wrestled Homicide, Joey Janela, and Nick Gage. Because in certain states, wrestling Suzuki counts towards your community service. The match he had with Homicide was particularly brutal. The last time a Puerto Rican was damaged that badly, Donald Trump started throwing towel papers at people. (laughs) He wrestled over 25 years in Japan, and he's never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, which is like being a young wrestler in the 80s and never getting asked over to Jim Barnett's house. (laughs) That belt has been passed around more than copies of Barely Legal at Marty Skrull's house. All right, there we go. I should have closed on other stuff, but that's not how that works. Thank you, Manuro. We love you. Thank you, Harry. Oh, man. That was great. Thank uh, you, guys. The delivery of someone uh, giving Jim Cornette's fast food order. Just trying to get it all in there. <laughs> <laughs> Did I go that fast? I don't know, man. I can't that tell. That was fun, man. This but you, great, man. We, this is you, different, you were man. our that's first choice doing. for this. No one else, no one else canceled. We were always like, oh, well, eh, let's just throw him on the Suzuki roast. Uh, <laughs> Scott, finish him off. All right. Uh, a minute before Minoru Suzuki was born, his father spilt water on a Mogwai. He's big in Japan and attractive in Middle Earth. After World War II, Japan couldn't raise an army. So they raised the Minoru Suzuki. He's won matches with the Crooked Head Scissors and also cut his hair with one. (laughs) His hair looks like the trail Jeff Hardy is currently riding his dirt bike on. (laughs) His hair has more zigzags than an Uso behind the wheel. 
I love that he made the same creative decision with his hair as Dennis Hopper trying to portray Bowser in that Mario movie. <laughs> it's the same exact do. Kanye West also just cut his hair like Suzuki, but hey, it's not like they have being insane in common. <laughs> he has the face and teeth of a piranha. Even though the name Minoru does sound like Menorah, like, uh, like Mike pointed out, he's not Jewish. However, he does read the Torah, Torah, Torah. Oh, yeah, I get that now. Yeah, it's an old Japanese old movie. movie. Your yeah. father's never yes. watched that in, with pride in their hearts? No? Okay. <laughs> well, maybe someone listening. Uh, I saw him wrestle once at Bloodsport. Bloodsport, not to be confused with Bloodsport Entertainment, which is what happens every time WWE runs Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a night terror. Like, like you ever like you turn off like the lights and you go like, oh my God, I saw something in the corner and it looks like Minoru Suzuki. He looks like a crustacean. He makes the same faces as a small dog humping a stuffed animal. Uh, Suzuki match is like a married Ric Flair in that they always end up out of the ring. <laughs> Uh, he looks like the reason China doesn't keep their daughters. Wait, 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 wait. the country or the person? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he looks like a type of reptile that's illegal to own, but I know a guy in Florida who can get you one. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Killer Croc. <laughs> His finisher is the gotch pile driver. Pile driver sounds like a racist way to describe a Japanese person's driving. Like, oh, that Japanese guy? Yeah, he's a real pile driver. I don't know. He has a pig's nose, but his dynamite match with Moxley was a boar. There that's it is. My, that's my me <laughs> joke of the week. Uh, I'm not going to compare him to Godzilla or anything, but I will compare him to that Godzilla music video by Puff Daddy. <laughs> Minoru Suzuki is like that Godzilla music video by Puff Daddy in that they've <laughs> both gotten me through rough times in life. <laughs> his promos are like the rave reviews for suicide squad in that i don't understand them nor because it's in japanese and suicide squad because i'm better at watching movies than mike and finally <laughs> minoru suzuki is a shoot wrestler dino bravo is a shot wrestler <laughs> 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 Oh man, man! If you're gonna if you're gonna uh, attack my favorite movie of the year and then my taste, talk about Dino Bravo getting murdered after, and I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make you oh, feel better man. about a lot of stuff, Mike. In all fairness, this is almost that, no. That makes you feel better about anything, really. Yeah, no, <laughs> that joke made me want a loose cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Loose... I want a divorce. Remember when Dino Bravo got shot? Oh. <laughs> Oh man, it's probably the best match he was in. Um, oh jeez. <laughs> anyway, that's work rate. Yeah, I mean, if I got to see him against twenty nine guys, I'd rather that than a rumble. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so show and hell, we have show and hell and ain't that swell uh, this week. We decided to look back at his uh, shoot fighting career in in Pancrase, um, which just sounds like Andre the Giant saying pancreas. Yeah. He hit me yeah. in my pancreas. <laughs> but uh, pancreas seems like a knockoff Panera bread at a shitty mall. <laughs> <It does. laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Shibata serves you there. Yeah. Shibata. 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 Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, so first we're going to talk show in hell. This is Suzuki losing to uh, Bass Rudin in 1995. Um, Bass Rudin, uh, MMA commentator, you know, former fighter, and Soda Popinski lookalike. He <laughs> <laughs> looks so much like, or or Vodka Drunkinski for the arcade fans uh, before the NAS fucking sanitized it. But yeah, man, uh, these pancreas matches. It's interesting because it, it's it's mostly all grappling. There's not a lot of strikes, but it, they're fucking intense. And uh, Rudin beats him. And, and I realized, you know, when I first uh, was watching this, like, until I started doing the research, that Suzuki, like, co-owned and formed the company. So, yeah, like, yeah. it's got to be so weird, like, when you're, when you're a guy that's, like, working for someone else and then you beat that person. Yeah. <laughs> in a shoot fight right i mean were they, they yeah were shoot, yeah like you're the booker of the shoot fighting like legitimately <laughs> booking <laughs> to get your ass kicked there is, someone would feel if cody ever uh, lost yeah <laughs> well it's there like is. shoot fighting but with pro wrestling it was pro wrestlers trained oh. to shoot fight right That's but they were shoot the fighting yeah, the thing yes and no i mean I, I think there's like rope breaks in it and shit which don't even make sense but there I are rope like, breaks yeah, yeah one of the dumb things where sense. it's like it was a shoot but then people said it was it was a work and nobody really knew exactly what was going on but the thing it in was J japan is the way they strike it's like it's hard to tell what is a shoot or work like in the sense of like yeah i know this is pro wrestling but you're actually kicking each other in the head it's the same way I couldn't tell what was the show in hell and what was the ain't that swell between the two clips that you made me watch. Well, uh, yeah, one is he loses and one he wins. I mean, he beats Ken. He beat Ken Shamrock twice. Yeah, uh, I've heard. the only the only fighter to do that. Lost to Frank Shamrock, which is true. I didn't know Frank Shamrock is like a bigger deal than Ken in MMA. He's a better fighter, right? Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah, that's why it pays to be loud and annoying. <laughs> Then you'll it's be remembered. Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, yeah, the, the, the thing is, is, is that I've heard there's like a few work matches in Pancras, but for the most part, it's real. And it is, there is nothing worse than when something is legit, people get really fucking hurt and people still say it's fake. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone loses. It's like the thing that, that Cornette says, like, you know, they used to pretend and everyone believed it. Now they hurt each other for real and no one believes it at all. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I kept thinking of because the whole reason wrestling became a work was professional wrestling was a shoot a hundred and something years ago. And these matches would go on for over an hour. I mean, like Hackenschmidt and these yeah. big, and they, they, they realized, Hey, if we, if we fix these, and, and make it a work, we can make more money than going out there and doing a shoot, not to mention the shoots would be pretty boring. And the clips of these Pancrase matches that were maybe three minutes long were, were pretty slow and boring. And you're sitting there thinking, is this real? Is this, is this a work? Is this a shoot? Should I care? Should I not care? It, it felt kind of goofy. It's not as violent as what you would see in UFC. It's not as interesting as pro wrestling um it, it's it was like it was neither fish nor fowl and in watching it it made me realize why pro wrestling is a far superior sport to any other sport because even if it's not real who gives a shit it's far more entertaining 
which was the argument I used to make when I worked in professional boxing, which was not super popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing that, like, Pancrase, like, is it a real fight? Is it just fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> Very musical episode of this show. We're going to get sued by a whole lot of famous yeah. people. I don't know, man. My singing is so bad that it can't be counted as uh, anything with a melody. So it certainly won't pick up, get picked up by like the YouTube algorithm or whatever. They're like, were the they text. playing Freddie Mercury? <laughs> it just cuts to Mike, Mama. You sound like Freddie Mercury today. <laughs> yeah. No. I would love for you Mama. to get sued. So you could I just roasted and... a man, <laughs> made some jokes about his yeah. hair. <laughs> oh man! So uh, do we have we said everything we want to say about this, uh, and move on to the next. Oh one? yeah, I mean, it's I I think it's interesting. I I think it actually could kind of make a comeback if he added some shit. Uh, What's the difference between that? How come that maybe works a little bit in Japan? It's like, like brawl school, and brawl Blood for all doesn't. Dude, I saw Suzuki uh, at Bloodsport. And one, he's the only person I've ever seen, like people line up for autographs. And when they stand next to him, they're like, uh, like, you know, like a little, like a little kid taking a picture with Captain Hook or something, you know, like, they're like, is he going to really fuck me up? Like, that's how they were with Suzuki. Uh, and I, I, saw, I saw him fight, I think, was it Josh Barnett? He might have fought Josh Barnett. And it was fucking awesome. I got to look up who he fought, but yeah, that it was, or... it was, it was uh, Josh Hartnett, um, actually, yeah. uh, before he did Hollywood <laughs> Homicide. <laughs> Second Pearl Harbor reference of the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, you know, man, it's, it, like, pay, it, you know, it's fighting. It's a, but there's no ring ropes. I mean, there's no, you know. But... Oh, hey, hey, Robert, before the RKO's, Pearl Harbor came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the, here's the thing, Harry. Like, as you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned brawl for all, and I think the big difference is like, one, these guys knew what they were getting into, and they could train for it and prep for it, as opposed to, hey, go work a five day house show loop, yeah, and then come get punched in the face. <laughs> also, you get know? asked the day of when whatever. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. like all those all those dudes in, in, in WWE were like working really hurt and shit and i think it was like thrown on them like it was like a surprise and it was a challenge you know like i think pancreas people did it because they wanted to and brawl for all they did it because they were afraid of getting fired and then some of them got fired anyway (laughs) so we're all in agreement that raw underground is better than pancreas (laughs) yes (laughs) oh man but but by the way harry uh i know you listen to the show but um Robert will sometimes make uh, references to modern wrestling because he's the only one who watches it oh, and has geez. to justify all those hours lost. <laughs> yes, I have one of three Nielsen boxes in the country. I'm the only Still thing left. keeping Raw on television. We we have a segment called High Spot, Low Spot, but it could just be called What Happened on Raw This Week? Tell us, <laughs> tell us Robert, because we didn't watch. Nah, no, I he, would I'm unfortunately I'm with you guys. I I, I stopped watching Raw. Like uh, I tapped out a couple months ago. I think great, I, man. It, it sounds like we're all like speaking in recovery almost, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah we are. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I I used to watch I watched wrestling with my grandfather. I try to make time, but at some point it got so tedious that we just switched over to dancing with the stars and we never came back. And wow. I found it more entertaining. I was more at peace. I was less confused and angry. 
with and the, Miz was booked better on Dancing yeah, with the Stars. He was. <laughs> we we all walked away from the WWE, and so did Jeff Hardy. But anyway, yeah. um, he might not have walked. He might have needed some help. In all fairness, yeah, that's true. <laughs> might have been carried out. Oh man, um, I you know, and by by the way, I just want to say to anybody who is offended by Jeff Hardy jokes, you know, we we're we're often really nice to a lot of people. Uh, we were not mean to Moxley. Um, you know, but this motherfucker oh, has chosen. No, wait, wait, wait! I don't <laughs> no, come no, no. sign whatever this that mic says. <laughs> wait turn. a second! This guy's like, we here at Wrestle Rose, yeah. <laughs> I get offended by this, and I don't mind saying that I speak for everybody. <laughs> yeah, when yeah, I yeah. say <laughs> these thoughts and views are those of everyone and all of our guests. Uh, and so, their families and my, my guy, my guy's like Jeff Hardy's dating his daughter. You know, he's just sitting at the yeah. table, like he's gotta go. This kid. Well, I was gonna say, like, no, but but people who are like super offended about making fun of him in the way, like, I don't think it's the same in the sense that this dude is like chosen to get in the ring while intoxicated multiple times, and I think that that deserves to be shamed and made fun of like what he did was dude, dude like, but you think that but also like you've never been drunk and i bet you there's a lot of wrestlers who are like it would be easier to wrestle drunk i think there's a few wrestlers who that's probably true for and i think it's something they don't talk about that um that a lot a lot of old timers want to say old timers want to say but they can't which is we were fucked up and it was better because of that because we really but, punched each other but it didn't hurt because we but were Scott, drunk. And they would say it, but they all died at 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true too. But, but Scott, they all had shoot, Bret though, Hart. You know, it was real. <laughs> God, they all had Bret Hart to carry them. And now there's no Bret Hart. If Jeff Hardy was there with Bret Hart, he would have had a 30-minute fucking amazing match. Four and a half stars. Four and a half Molsons. Yeah. Um, but no, I, th- I, I will co-sign with Mike in the fuck Jeff Hardy simply because mm. he did this years ago when he was in Impact. And he, he wrestled f- uh, fucked up in the main event of a pay-per-view. He was in no condition to perform. He got his act together. He cleaned himself up over, over the last several years. When you wrestle, there is a contract between you and the other performers that you are not going to endanger them. And when you go out there and you wrestle when you're – impaired inebriated in some way shape or form you can't make someone else uh keep them safe that is the breach of trust that exists and wwe to their credit very rarely do we get to say this to their credit rather than outright terminating jeff hardy which they would have been fully justified to do because we can't trust this guy they offered him the opportunity to go to rehab and rather than go to rehab jeff hardy said no at which point they had no choice no, but to no, get rid no. of him. <laughs> Thank you. Do I hear no, another? No, no. Yeah, ASCAP is coming after us hard now. Uh, do I hear another song coming? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, comparing him to Amy Winehouse, probably not ideal. Uh, and while publicly a lot of wrestlers are going to praise Jeff because he's he's a really likable guy and a lot of the other wrestlers love him and people grew up as fans Sammy Guevara posted a picture of him as a kid that's not what we're saying it's not you shouldn't be a fan of Jeff Hardy it's the actions he took in the last week were were dangerous and fairly reprehensible and a lot of these guys behind the scenes not on Twitter are motherfucking him and saying like this guy broke the cardinal rule of wrestling which is you have to keep everybody safe and you keep your shit in check and if you can't don't show up and work. And well, he I went out the to tape. the ring and had I the saw, match. I saw the tape. He had the match. And then when he tagged out, he left. When he entered the ring, like the beginning of the match, he was holding his stunt. 
he looked like he had a stomach ache. And I know his wife just tweeted something like, Jeff is fine. Like, you know, say you heard that or something, you know, like, I don't. You right. Because you, you can trust her and Matt Hardy as the bastions of integrity when it comes to oh uh, <laughs> if it was just a stomach ache, WWE would not have said go to rehab. They would have been like, mm. you finish the fucking match. And if you shit yourself, we're not reimbursing you for your trunks. Right. They don't care uh, about the circus animals nine times out of ten. The one time they do, and everybody's like, ah, fuck them. Um, so I can't wait to see Jeff on Dynamite in three months. I <laughs> I want to I want to ask a question, Robert. Is, you know, as someone who knows, you know, more more than the average person, having worked there, do you think an agent is responsible? Also, is it just Jeff Hardy that is accountable here, or? Is it somebody backstage that sees him and realizes he's full Jeff and should <laughs> stop him? So when it was the impact situation, yes, that was on them because he was not in a good way for the majority of that day. And I've spoken to people who were there at the time and they're like, he was like asleep on a couch. He was slurring his words. There's no knowledge that that was the case here. And it's kind of hard to tell inebriated Jeff Hardy from regular Jeff Hardy, because when that dude just talks, he sounds like he's on meth. So it's it's very difficult to say, did they know he was impaired and put him out there? If there was an, an inkling that he was impaired, I have a feeling, given that this was a house show and they don't really give a shit about house shows. And he was in there with Roman, who's their cash cow. They would have pulled him immediately and figured out something or he would have walked down to the ring. The Usos would have laid him out and he would have been stretchered out of the match. Also, he I mean, might not have been at the level that impact was. He might have been really, really messed up and maybe slightly less messed up. But my question, I hope he gets the help he needs. But my question is, did they tell him to go to rehab or did they tell him to go to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia? And that's why he left. <laughs> oh, man, I. <laughs> Let's let's continue. We don't we don't need to, need to say much about uh, Minoru versus uh, Shamrock, uh, but you know, no, he beat other Shamrock. than he beat him, man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's awesome. He's a great fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> no. Um, he's probably a dude. If UFC existed, he would have been a big star for them, and he would have made a hell of a lot of money because he's got a a cool presence and probably would have been a really interesting fighter for them. Yeah, and. And those days, I mean, it was like the VHS UFC days of like, what the fuck? Is-? I remember my dad being like, there's this little guy in a robe and he beats <laughs> fat guys. You got to see it. <laughs> that's also how ESPN promoted it back in the day, too. Yeah. It, that's how they covered it. That's how little respect they uh, gave it back then. <laughs> I didn't like it because it was taking shelf space in the blockbuster from the wrestling tapes. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck you, Gracie's. Yeah. You're the reason I can't see Slamboree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's do uh, Dynamite or Dud. Uh, Dud, let's move on. Oh, sorry. No way, Jose. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about... I'm not a great host, guys. You know, it's, it's I think fine. you're great. Uh, I think you're a great host. I haven't heard your, haven't heard your dogs bark once. You're doing a fine true. job. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And also, you have uh, your beard. He's gonna fucking so. bark now. God damn it! You you jinxed it. But no. Uh, so dynamite or dud? Uh, we had uh, last night's dynamite. Um, I'll just go, you know, moment by moment kind of thing. And if I miss something, uh, it probably wasn't that important. I mean, feel free to correct me. Uh, so we had uh, to start again. The MJF theme plays, and it's CM Punk 
cutting a 10 minute promo. Is this your guy? Um, you know, uh, does a hockey reference says, is this your guy? Does a hockey reference? <laughs> no, no this, this, so he does, he does a promo on MJF. Then um, we get MJF in a fucking amazing uh, video entrance video. And I love, uh, I love the hangman video. Uh, this one uh, might've been even better. Uh, and then, and then we get MJF coming out like punk, uh, just basking in the long Island glow, uh, which is probably radiation. And then uh, he wins. Uh, well, he co-wins the um, dynamite uh, battle Royale with uh, Dante Martin, who, Pulled one on Team Taz. Those geniuses at Team Taz. Uh, <laughs> then uh, we had uh, a big old clusterfucky tag match where um, Mac- Max Caster came out, did a uh, did a promo, uh, also mentioning hockey. Is-, is that all Long Island has? Is hockey? Yeah, I mean they don't have any other. It's Long yes. Island is a weird little alcove of New York in that it's right next to New York City, but it just doesn't associate. Harry, Harry, where are you from? I'm from Queens originally. Oh, okay. that explains it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> as being from Long Island, I can confidently say no. As uh, as as saying, uh, you watch television with your grandfather. That's a that's a very oh, Queens that's what, thing. That's yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah. That's a very Queens thing to do. And he uh, he he bitches about wrestling, but he's been watching it for uh, thirty years. So he's a <laughs> I would get along with your fan. grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Bring him on the show. He yeah. would fit in perfectly with us. Or or have him subscribe to our Patreon. That sounds like all of our Patreon listeners. <laughs> so he doesn't he 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 doesn't have great hearing because he's ninety four. So he doesn't follow everything that goes along. So some, he roots for people based on weird things like if he doesn't like their like facial the, hair, like the color of their skin, no. and <laughs> what bad. country they are from. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird he's not a fan of bobby lashley and i can't figure out why but, he, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's the one guy who thinks coldest he's the one guy who still thinks cody's really like over man he must be getting really loud cheers <laughs> yeah he's like that there's a patriot that there is an american so then, uh, look at that blonde hair we I don't got, know why I made him Southern, even though yeah, he's, Armenian, it's he's an old Armenian man. Oh yeah, so then we got Varsity Blondes and uh, Jurassic Express with with the with their cheerleader Julia Hart and acclaimed in 2.0 with their cheerleader Danny Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt like we were going to get a West Side Story moment because it is a Warner property and this is TNT where oh, they man. just start singing during all of the rumbling. <laughs> I would love that so much. Missed yeah. opportunity. Oh uh, man, I, I think that Danny Garcia could be the Ansel Elgort of wrestling. <laughs> then we have uh, and that you're rooting for him to die young. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh Kingston um backstage with, with Ortiz and uh they get uh beat down by um 2.0 and son. Then uh <laughs> Young Bucks uh versus Chuck Taylor and guy who doesn't need an eye patch, therefore it's kind of disabled appropriation. Rocky Romero, uh, <laughs> and uh, we get the return of Sue, which means the return of Trent, who just looks like the Blade if he was twenty pounds heavier. Yeah, uh, man, he looked like he looked like Moxley uh, made it out all right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he looked like how we we all hope Moxley uh, looks. <laughs> Yeah, but this was a big this was a big moment, and you know, 
Uh, Trent is is a, a Long Island guy, so got a big pop. Then we have uh, Ruby Soho getting cut off by the bunny and Penelope Ford, those fucking monsters. <laughs> <laughs> we have Sammy Guevara getting cut off by Cody Rhodes, who is going to get a TNA title, TNT title shot because he said so. Dude, I love that it. rule. I love that. How much like, did that rule? Yeah. It, it's know. funny because it's like, he can't, you know, it's still the, the, the kayfabe story that he can't go after the world title. So he's like, just going to covet the fucking TNT title. Well, no, it's it's also just the way he walked out. It's, it's the thing that how, dude, anybody who still thinks like, Cody just doesn't get it. No one's going to love him. He fucking gets it. It was yeah. perfect what they did last night. Yes, Cody does get it. I still don't want to see it. Damn um, it. Okay, fair. And uh, and then and then uh, Sammy gets heckled by Statler and Walt. I mean, uh, Paige and Scott. How dare you disrespect Statler and Walt? <laughs> <laughs> and they promise us. I love. I love that he doesn't just show back up. We get the promise return of Dan Lambert. He's so big. You gotta that build it up, brother. You, you gotta, gotta get that audience for next week. Bump it up. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to say everything through the show and then we'll just go over. Yeah, uh, yeah sure, man. Let's do it. Yeah, then we got 925 Live back at the spot it always is, usually. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Riho. Uh, Riho wins, uh, giving her more momentum uh, in her eventual fight with uh, Britt Baker. Then we have Malachi Black interrupting the varsity blondes because they needed two uh segments on this show and mm. he missed and completely he whips a mist on julia hart she gets none of it but still sells it like a chance. oh jeez. dude and my then, favorite part of this was so pillman was like you know i'm the person who stands here holding her griff you're the guy who runs to the back to get help but griff isn't running to the back he's just like running in circles so Brian has to be like, go to the, get help, go to the back. And then he's still just there. And it's like, they're not doing anything about this woman being misted in the face other than standing around her. Yeah. Are we just, are we just getting the Tajiri Nidia storyline from 2003 again? <laughs> uh, brother, brother, she's going to be uh, you know, she's going to be like a dark heart, you know, it's going to be, you know, that's what's going to happen. Oh, you think she's going to be? Oh, hell you know? yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, she's going to be with him. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. And then the main event, uh, John Silver versus Brian Danielson. And Brian Danielson kicked John Silver's head in, cut a little promo at the end. Paige came out, and we are set for next week. Winter is coming, um, you know. Uh, and so am I. Huh? Yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very clear that Cody uh, hasn't actually watched uh, The Boys or the last few seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I think he just sees Republican memes. and yeah. <laughs> Dude, He's going to do a Pepe the Frog splash. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll go first with my thoughts on this. I thought this was a decent show. You know, we got a big show. Uh, I'm sorry, we got a Paul White next week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this did a good job of setting that up. Um, the punk segment was awesome. I felt like it was a very MJF trolley move to not see him cut a promo here. Yeah. 
you know, but he was he was there and he came up. He like had a that star. video. I mean, they did a custom short yeah. film basically for him going back to his high school uh, yeah. football field in a Ferrari. Right. Yeah. The, the leader of the Acafellas. Um, the Acafellas. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking I mean, yeah, I they yeah. should reunite the Acafellas at some oh, point dude. just so somebody could beat the hell out of them. <laughs> a new Mean oh, Street I would Posse. Love that. Yeah. The Acafellas is a great uh, yeah, Mean Street Posse backing group. Dude, they should do that, and now we'll have a place for Ryan Nemeth. <laughs> like the Spirit Squad so many years before with Nick. Easy. Hey, let's be honest. A place for Nick, too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he'd be great as an Acafella. Um Oh, my God. I'd love it. But, yeah, I I, I thought this promo was decent. I, I thought that, um, you know, he had two minutes uh, more of screen time than material written, and that's okay. Uh, but it, it worked, and MJF came off like a star in that segment. The uh, you know him throwing out Wardlow, and then Dante throwing out uh, Starks to set all that up um, was great. Uh, you know, this was this made me want to see the next show. They built some stuff. There were some fun matches. The Trent thing. It's like guy got a big fucking pop. He looked fucking you know beefier than he ever had, and. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought the show, you know, what was it one of the best of the year? No, but it's very rare that they have a truly bad show. Or and, and the one thing I love about AW, they never have a show that makes you ashamed to watch wrestling, which is nice. And and this is just like I like the feel of watching AW, and this had you know kept that. And and uh, the last thing I'll say is I'm fine. Like I I you know. Taz as the third guy works for me really well. Um, I love the dynamic. Obviously, want JR to get well and take care of himself. Um, and if he comes back in any capacity, that's great. But the week-to-week of just Taz, Excalibur, and Tony, I think is a really good pairing. Um, I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, and why was JR out? Is it because of the skin cancer, the radiation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. he's got like and, yeah. And then what happened with Justin Roberts? I know they mentioned both of them, uh, so I didn't oh, know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a family. He got all choked up. <laughs> uh, Robert, what was your what was your thought on the show? Um, it was fine. Um, they knew that you were going to get MJF in Long Island, and that was all they really needed. Punk's promo was okay. It, it felt a little disjointed. The bringing up the Islander stuff felt like really weird, cheap heat that he didn't need to do. And he did it more than once. And I didn't, it didn't feel like it was intentional meta. Like I'm bringing up the local sports team to do it. It just felt like he was trying to do it. Cause he did, he wasn't thrilled with the reaction he got that it wasn't as much anger and fire as he thought um, him constantly saying, he's your guy felt like Bill Ingvall's here's your sign. And <laughs> it just, it, that was kind of driving Except me nuts. funnier. Well, it was, well, that goes without saying. Uh, him bringing up Hell Comes to Frogtown was pretty fantastic. Um, so uh, good on the Piper reference. The MJF video was awesome. The Diamond Dozen was like over in 10 minutes, which was weird. It was very, very short. Yeah. Uh, they And they told a lot of stories in a very short amount of time. Dante Martin, just to be clear, was smart enough to have formulated this plan to turn on Team Taz in the middle of this match 
but dumb enough to think after the match, shaking MJF's hand was going to be a good idea. And then he was going to come to my rescue. So just when you think this guy's not a complete dumbass, he shows you he's a complete dumbass in story. Uh, it was great to see Mike's favorite tag team of all time, 2.0 in action. I know how much he loves those guys. Um, the Trent return was cool. He looked like Moxley cosplay, but it was, it was okay. The uh, Ruby segment with the bunny and Penelope Ford was some of the worst camera blocking I've seen in the history of wrestling television mm. because uh, Penelope didn't realize there was a curtain. And when they were trying to flee from the chairs, she walks into the curtain and then it's just slowly just walking by while they're supposedly fleeing for their lives, which was pretty hilarious. Um, Riho, they said she started wrestling at nine, which meant she started wrestling two years ago. Um, I can't take her seriously as anything uh and it's clear they're just building her up to kill her so fine uh the varsity blondes malachi black thing was just laughably hilarious brian pillman on his knees screaming no was uh was amazing uh as was probably not the first time that uh uh julia hart got blown in the face and had to sell it but uh the main guy this guy It's, you got her in the chair. Robert the Carp Carpalist. There you uh, go. By the way, Robert, Tony Khan suspending you for a month for that joke. <laughs> that's that's fine. Um, and then He's the main event the was show from here on out. Yeah, the, yeah, the main event on. was whatever. It was it was Danielson and Silver. You knew what you were getting. I also didn't understand because last week there was that rule of these guys can't touch. And I guess this week there isn't the rule that Hangman and uh, Danielson are, are allowed to get physical with one another. So that was a little confusing. The, the scariest thing for me is they're still hyping tickets being on sale for the show next week. I'm pretty surprised that Danielson and Hangman Page wasn't already a sellout for them. So I don't know what's going on there in, in Texas. Scott, yeah, find what's out. going get, on there in Texas? Get, get someone on the horn, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> that well, sounds call, like an call, answer that can only gonna, be, gonna, you know. I'm going to call yeah. Raphael Morphy. He's our our, our ticket yeah. guy. Yeah, get Hank on the horn. Find out I mean, the hell's going on down seats. there in Texas. There were some empty seats here tonight, too. So, <laughs> mm. Unlike Raw, where no, it's but I think they full, broke 10,000. Really, really got, tight. Yeah, dude, they yeah. almost got 10,000. I think it's like, what, almost double what Raw did? Yeah, they, out, they outdrew what Raw did in, oh, this, yeah. uh, in this building. And, and rightfully so. It was You were giving the audience something new and you were giving them their hometown hero. And MJF played every moment of that beautifully. And, uh, and, and again, like a, a, a thing that I've noticed with AEW is every show somehow feels like an event because there's someone from their hometown and they make a point to make that matter. Or uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just to the point where you go, oh, it wasn't that great and it was like it was dude that mjf thing is like one of the most fun moments i've seen in years maybe like yeah. like in, in the way that the 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 rock and the rock this is your life was long and wasn't great you look back at it and you go holy shit it's like i'm always going to remember mjf's first time in his hometown i shouldn't remember that but well, i man. do because they make moments it's fucking badass man yeah, I was going to quickly say, like, it, it's amazing because it's like, one, um, you know, we didn't have live wrestling for like over a year, really. And now it's like, I think the excitement of even seeing a live crowd is still there, but that they're capitalizing 
on those moments. And, and also, it adds so much to MJF, and, and especially this feud with Punk, that Punk was in Chicago, and then they went to Long Island, that, um, you know, he's a heel, but, like, in a kayfabe sense, he does have amazing accomplishments, and the people from his hometown are still proud of that. I love that. Like, it just... <laughs> It adds a layer as opposed to the heel who fucking hates everywhere and everyone. It it, it makes them makes them more human. It makes oh. sense. It and it makes the crowd a heel. It makes the crowd a character and them getting on board. I mean, some people weren't on board. Uh and and I think that also kind of affected the punk promo where there was waves of like confusion within the crowd, where not everybody yeah. was on the same page entirely. But when they were, it was just Per, it, dude, it was so fun. So it's, fun. It's a, there's a reason people love that Canadian Stampede show where the hearts were all heels, but the audience was white hot for them and Austin was the heel there. Punk coming out and getting the booze was the audience pays attention to the product. They know their role. They play it perfectly. It's why I hated when Punk was getting the split cheers against Darby at the pay-per-view because I'm like, no, no, he should always be a heel except when he's in Long Island. And that made it so perfect yeah i i thought uh i mean the show overall was i thought it was a good setup like there was nothing disappointing it wasn't a spectacular show but they were setting up a lot of stuff for following weeks and especially when they did the battle royal or whatever they call it the dozen um like they set up a bunch of stories and it feels good because you can trust that they're for the most part gonna pay off or they're gonna lead somewhere as opposed to just watching a WWE Battle Royal or the Royal Rumble where things just are kind of thrown together last minute. But um, the, the Punk promo, I do, I will say it went on a little longer than it should, but part of that is maybe that he is just out there sort of winging it to some degree. So like, I think Mike was right when it was like, it, it, I think he hit the mark on some things, but he was out there a little too long. So I like where he went with it because there was no avoiding that it, this is MJF's town. It's his hometown as opposed to uh, like what WWE does, which is, if, oh, it's your hometown, let's beat you there or just not have you on the card at all. But they made use of it. I think he did a good job with the promo, like justifying it with the Dennis Rodman thing. Like, I get it. He's your guy. It's the best you can do in that situation. Um, the Danielson versus Silver thing, it's interesting because part of me, I mean, it's always a good match. Danielson's great, but part of me is like, it feels wasted that he's wrestling John Silver but it makes sense for the story that he's going through all the members of the dark order. So even that it all makes sense. And John Silver's over. I mean, at least yeah. to the people who pay for a ticket to go see AW. Yeah. Is, I mean, you know, even, even, you know, Brian called him Johnny Hungy and it's like, they understood like it wasn't, what it, is, it wasn't yeah. confusing to those in attendance, you know, yeah. for me, part of it is I'm still uh, scared that he's going to have another concussion or something. So I want him to get all these legendary matches out as soon as like, I don't want no any way, man. Science will yeah. never have another Muhammad Ali again. <laughs> and that's what I say before they sign the con I'm starting a boxing promotion. I just thought you meant no one in AEW had his charisma. Also, just Punk walking out to MJF's music when everybody said that that's what MJF was going to do for the Punk Chicago debut. People have been saying, oh, wait till MJF does that. And then it's Punk doing it. The, the Battle Royal, the fact that, you know, the fans were on board every time MJF like did a heel thing, but then someone would try to eliminate him and they'd fucking get booed and stuff. And the running back into the ring was a genuinely funny moment uh, when he started beating on Dante with Ricky Stuck. Dude, this is one of the 
coolest wrestling moments of the year. Just this whole little thing that occurred, the video package included. Yeah, and A it's plus, like, it's, A plus dynamite. We don't need yeah, to talk about Julia Hart. It's just a, and it sounds like thing. Tony Khan now. Scott. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like you said, they made an event. It's it was just just a weekly show in Long Island, but because like it it, it makes it makes the towns feel more important and it makes the wrestlers feel more important i mean the fact yeah that- and also it's like if your show really sucks it's like well have a successful person come from your town yeah shitsville but they I were mean- yeah but they were smart in that if you look at their calendar you had this long island show which the big show next week is winter is coming which has a title match the christmas show is now cody against uh sammy guevara That'd then be you're fun, man. then you're getting nice. into the whole hey we're going to tbs and now we're going to make a big deal about that show yeah. with the, i'm the going to tournament. that show yeah so they're they're then they have that tournament a champion show whatever it's like they've they've turned every week into an event whereas raw yeah. every week is is a very sad event uh it's the <laughs> it's like sitting shiva every week for me it's a it's a re- except no food so well, it's, I, always, I always say and, and maybe i've said this on the podcast but it but it is so funny raw the way that they do it where it's like if someone didn't interrupt someone's promo there'd be no show because yeah. there's nothing there's nothing planned or booked in advance it's eight o'clock and lashley comes out there and he's talking and if Drew and and by the way, Lashley, Lashley comes out not looking for a fight. No, just talking. <laughs> yeah, then, just to talk then, for the space. He's not then, even like downplaying another wrestler. And it's just like if, if, if you know, like if if, if McIntyre or, or Woods or somebody doesn't come out during his promo, what would what would the next segment be? <laughs> Order. Yeah. Yeah, it does right. feel like with Raw, it, it's they're interchangeable every week. It's just a set. It might as well take place from the same location. Yeah. They don't factor anything in where AEW uses the hometown. So it does feel different. So it feels like, oh, this is a different show. Okay, I know. Sometimes I don't even know where Raw is from. I'll, you know, when I was watching, you'd never know where it was from because they don't do anything different with it. But they did a lot of great stuff with it and made it uh, special. And then plus Dan Lambert's coming back. So I'm excited. Yeah, now that we hyped it up, baby. <laughs> oh, guys, I, I have a question. The, the, the flashing lights was that when it was the final two and they were just addressing it? Wasn't that? so. It was... I wonder if they're hinting at something like you know, how in AEW, like AEW will like have like the, the lights go out randomly and nothing happens, and then later on in the show, the lights go out and something ha- like I think that's how Malachi kind of started debuting or whatever. Like the lights would randomly go out, but they act like is this something? Is this a is this, it, is this the fiend? It, it's tough to it's tough to tell which of their technical glitches is on purpose and which are an accident. Yeah. <laughs> what's well, a mess and what's movie see. magic? All right, man. Let's let's move on to the hate ourselves world tournament uh, this week. We have seven uh, versus Saba Simba. And, you know, we covered Seven uh, pretty recently, him and, uh, you know, him and the Black Rain gimmick on uh, Grimmick. So I don't think we need to say too much about him, uh, but but we can talk about the Black Shame that is <laughs> Saba Simba. Um, man, there is a video online of uh, Vince and, and Piper. I think it was like a Superstars or something 
And Piper's just like, that's Tony Atlas. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, it's, it's almost him. No, I know that's Tony Atlas. I know what he looks like. <laughs> and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> and Vince just has to go along with it. Well, no, he, and, uh, he changed his name. He discovered his roots. Yeah. And yeah, then Piper even says that's bullshit because Piper just doesn't give a fuck. The guy yeah, who dressed in half blackface is the one who's defending the virtue of Tony Atlas. Yeah, it's 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 Vince. He didn't discover his roots. He discovered his VHS copy of, of roots. <laughs> but no, man. I mean, this gimmick. Yeah, it's one of those like seven is just fucking weird and stupid. But this is like this is embarrassing and it's it's rough. He doesn't look like he's having fun doing it. Um, you know, I know that there are shoot promos where uh, Tony Atlas has talked about how he was in a tough space and this gimmick saved his life. So for that, you know, I'm grateful. But also they could have just hired him back as Tony Atlas. Yeah, <laughs> also true. he needs to reword that. Like therapy hasn't figured that out for him yet. It, yeah. He needed the job, you know, he needed the money. He needed, he didn't need to yeah. be the money. He didn't have way. to be Saba Simba. He yes, right. could have yeah, been financially... Tony fucking Atlas, you know? Yeah. Because that, that's the thing with the wrestling. So, yeah, I mean, Saba's my pick for, for the worst of the two gimmicks. Um, just, like, I feel comfortable watching Seven in a room if somebody walks in. Saba Simba That's crazy because so he's a pedophile. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but it's like so weird. Uh, Mike's like, yeah, but the times. <laughs> but here's, here's, the thing, here's, here's the thing, Scott. He's an avant-garde pedophile. Thomas Simba, Simba is basic racism. <laughs> it's, it's Roman Polanski for wrestling. Yeah, it, yeah, but it, it's it's Roman Polanski versus Piper at WrestleMania. <laughs> and all right, I'll, I'll I'll let me assume my weekly position. I, I will say how WWE ignorant. Creative here. Wait, how ignorant everybody is that when like a Samoan is like that, we're all just like. Well, they're being represented. Like we and just that's exactly that's what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think the, the problem with the outrage about Saba Zimba is this was, believe it or not, Vince thinking he was doing something culturally sensitive. In you know, we we want to show that he got in touch with his African roots. And when Broadway does it with the Lion King, they give him Tonys. But when Vince does it, they shame him. Um, this is the same company that took Tito Santana and we're like, we're going to make him a matador. Why? Because right. he's Hispanic. Who the fuck knows? We're going to make uh, the Sultan. We're going to, they, they, there's no racial sensitivity or cultural sensitivity for any character they ever have. And he thought that Saba Simba was, well, we want to have a proud African character. So we're going to put him into this African, you know, war garb, like the country cuckoo clock codpiece Zulu warriors. And it it comes across as looking stupid. And at the time, it was maligned more for being stupid than it was for being potentially tone deaf and racist. Whereas Seven was like if The Undertaker fucked powder. And the problem with it was, it was a complete and total waste of Dustin, who is creative and has interesting opportunity ideas. Whereas Saba Simba, you know, yes, Tony Atlas was homeless before this, and then he was homeless after this. But for a short window of time, he, this put him into a house. And it's not it, a hut, Robert. A hut, but it was at least <laughs> trying, it was, it was Vince trying to treat the character with respect. 
which is like you know it's, it's if the, he was homeless couldn't you have given him a, a character that wore shoes at least for god's can we, sake can we can we at least be thankful he was able to take showers for a while without watching his friend get murdered yeah i think Vin, i think vince's real defense is he's only ever seen our gang like he's only ever seen <laughs> the little rascals and it's just a real defense that might hold up in court robert now, I, 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 <laughs> I think if I, I it was sort of, intentionally racist, it's a different story. They, they weren't playing him as a joke. And I think that's why I have a hard time being as outraged about it as I've seen other people where it's, it's culturally tone deaf. But Seven was a pedophile who literally snuck into a kid's room and they were like, yeah, you can't do this anymore. And then he just went out there and cut a promo and it's like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> The, 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 the thing, like, I never thought of it this way because of the correlation in time, but but seriously, like, do you think Saba Simba was Vince's apology for Akeem? Like, oh, you want you want an African-American playing an African? Okay, okay. We no, they it. were supposed to feud. It was supposed to build to Akeem versus Saba Simba, oh, and then Akeem oh. left the company very slowly um, because he wouldn't go to Weight Watchers or something, but they were supposed to build to an Akeem versus Saba Simba match. And we never got what would have been uh, the end of apartheid in South Africa a few years earlier. Yeah. The end of an era. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't know. Harry, until... who, do you, who you got in this? What's Jeez. the worst gimmick? I'll say that I think Saba Simba is the worst gimmick in the sense that there's no hiding it. I didn't know that seven was, you know, like uh, snuck into kids' rooms. I forgot about that part. So he kind of looks cool. So at least from the outset, you could go, you could drop that part. But with Saba Simba, there is, I mean, it's just that. He is, I mean, he's literally holding a spear. And it's a little rough to, you know, at least seven, you could go, that's a cool character. If you don't know about that other part, or if you dropped it, there's no fixing Saba Simba. And it's yeah, also, but you also, like, you also, you also got to understand, um, seven was riding that John Benet Ramsey wave. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You know the weird part is I don't know if you're joking or not. If that was I know I think WCW might have done that. Yeah, if it was AEW, he would have debuted in Colorado. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) God damn it, Ted Turner's like this. John Bonet coverage is getting all (laughs) is getting all our viewers. Uh, But I'm just imagining now. Just imagining a a fucking uh, (laughs) Dustin as John Bonet and Dusty as the parent. We just put them through a lot of beauty pageants. We are not <laughs> responsible for the murder. <laughs> Dusty as a pageant dad is just great in general. That was I mean, pretty much him on. and Dustin in 91 in WCW. That's true. Come on, baby, smile a little bit. You got Be the natural. You the natural score. just like your papa. Yeah. I can't rely on say, the other ones. Would you not say Cody's a pageant queen? <laughs> we got them toddlers and tiaras. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you go, all right, so I say Saba, you say Saba, we got one for seven. Uh, Scott, who you got in this? Well, the thing with Saba is, like, at least Vince hasn't tried to do something like that again. Enter Apollo Cruz. <laughs> uh, no, I think seven is a, is a worse gimmick. Uh, yeah, just because of, yeah, what, what Robert kind of highlighted, which is they were trying something, but yikes. Zach, you got to break the tie here. What what is the worst gimmick? Pedophiles or racism? <laughs> and you can only pick one from here on out. By the way, Velveteen Dream is the cross section of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus. I'm going to say seven. There All right. Go. So seven, seven advances. Uh, there we go. Um, final well, segment. Well, it's racist, everybody. <laughs> final, final segment of the show. Uh, wash your hands of the uh, ethnic genocide. No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna do high spot, low spot. Uh, I will. We'll do low spot, high spot. Uh, and my low spot, I already talked about the Hardy stuff. That was going to be mine. So we did it. We're done. Let's move on. Hey, how long do you think he should be clean before he's uh, allowed to wrestle again or just never think about wrestling? Until the 90-day non-compete's done. Dude, I, be- <laughs> I believe in redemption. And, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. Like, you know, a lot of people go through shit. And I think that if he wants to get clean and he wants to wrestle and it happens, you know, and, and he's good to do it. I I think that's fine. But I also think that maybe he's a guy you got to watch a little bit more. Like, is, is he more over than the average wrestler? Yes. Does he need a little bit more scrutiny than the average wrestler from the backstage people? Probably. Um, I think that, yeah, the liability aspect of it makes it a little harder, but, I think that he could turn around. I also, I will say this. I don't want to see more angles about it. Like, I just find that shit in poor taste. Oh, the guy yeah. is still well, like. Especially sorry, after the fact where he's relapsed a couple of times. Maybe first, yeah. the first time initially you could kind of work with it. It's a redemption story. But the fact that it's still a problem. Yeah. Also, like, that. it's also like it was never as good as when it was him and Punk. But then it's like, yeah, the fact that he has fallen off multiple times. And like, I just, I never liked those, like the, the Jake shit with, uh, you know, Lawler pouring the beer on him, it, it, the Scott Hall stuff, it, Hawk, you know, it, it usually just feels like in, in poor taste. And it very much feels like something the wrestler themselves never wants to be a part of. <laughs> right. But Vince thinks that addiction is a weakness. So it needs to be something to be mocked and ridiculed. So it will it will get used and then it's real life. So it's compelling. I don't think Jeff will ever have a run in WWE again just because you're wasting TV time to build him up on the off chance that he's going to fall off. I think once he does hopefully get the help that he needs and is clean and sober and in a good place, him and Matt can reunite and have the match against the Young Bucks that everybody wants to see as a as a final swan song for him. But then he needs to step away from wrestling. Uh, it's it. I think that the fact that there have been this many backslides and all that, he, he's at an age where he shouldn't be contributing on a weekly basis, regardless of of his uh, his health. He's not a guy to really build the future on. It's it's not worth it. The 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 risk is is higher than the reward when it comes to Jeff Hardy. If he can get clean and have a farewell and have a proper way to say goodbye to his audience, great, and let him go do his other endeavors. But th- this is a guy who is a husband, is a father. You got to think of what's best for him as the person, not the selfish, boy, I really want to see Jeff Hardy again. Man, uh, you know, the real oh. victim here is Karrion Cross. <laughs> okay, guys, but... No, the real about- victim is John Morrison, who's like, fuck, I can't believe they just fired me. And now is when they, they could really use Morrison right now. Dude, I'm watching I'm watching Survivor uh, season 37, and Morrison is on it with Mike White, the guy who uh, you know wrote School of Rock and uh, did uh, White Lotus and stuff. And it is amazing. <laughs> yes, 
That's a good season. That's Survivor or, or Amazing Race? I didn't know he was on. Uh, Mike White was on both. Yeah. Really? But, uh, I, was I don't, on, I don't yeah. know if Morrison was, but Morrison is on. No, uh, Morrison did Survivor. Survivor season, and he looks fucking amazing with his shirt off. Um, uh, Scott, what's your low spot? Oh, I mean, the Jeff Hardy thing's high up there. I keep thinking Jeff Hardy uh, getting fired and he's drunk and he's like, all right, hold on, though. You got to hire this guy, Willow. Hold on, let me go get him. <laughs> and then he runs out of the room and comes back in real quick dressed as Willow and just stands there for a second in silence and then just throws up on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, that's it. <laughs> I imagine that Mrs. Doubtfire dinner scene. <laughs> he keeps running in to put the paint on. Yeah, but he's drunker and drunker, so he's just like falling over and shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, another uh, dude, Ben. So just now, while we were recording the podcast, uh, Bandito, he was in in like the final main event of uh, this Ring of Honor show coming up, Final Battle, which is the final like Ring of Honor as we know it show. Uh, and Bandito, he was in the main event. He just had to pull out because he has COVID. That's a low spot. And Chris Jericho, um, non-COVID related, don't don't jump the gun, but uh, but he was supposed to have a show with Fozzie tomorrow night and they had to cancel it because he was hospitalized. Um, I, they're saying it's not serious. I think they're saying that. But yeah, he's a uh, or, or, yeah, treatable health issue. Yeah. He's getting his stomach and ass pumped. No, I can't say that. I'm not allowed to say that. Yeah, and you did anyways. Uh, yeah. Harry, uh, what's but your I low spot? I can't, so so you know. for me, the low spot, this is kind of a weird one. It would be war games in the sense that I didn't watch it. I don't know anything about it, but my I, I skipped it because I just was off NXT now, even though I, it would be something I normally would watch. But just the idea that Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly might possibly be leaving or it's just kind of feels it all feels like a wasted opportunity like just the whole undisputed era thing was great in nxt and then they didn't do anything with it it just feels it's just a reminder of nxt being over in the way that we it's done meaning done the way that we enjoyed it the last couple of years or i i enjoyed it anyway so it feels like a wasted opportunity it's interesting watching that you know johnny gargano lou garrick speech uh and it's just like the whole thing like feels so rinky dink like the the you know the uh the the, the crowd and it, it just it feels like a high school gym like but it's not but then it's like and and the thing is that kind of worked when you had all this like amazing indie talent and in indie matches but when you have von wagner and then it feels shitty like it doesn't help Robert, let's just talk about this quick. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts about uh, war games quickly and where NXT has has headed? Yeah, we haven't talked about this. It kind of just like died, and we all were uh, we all moved on, you know, Go, like a goldfish. Uh, Robert, we can't hear you. Might be muted there, bud. Oh, I was on mute. Jesus, I turned oh, this buddy old man style i'm like talking to myself anyway uh, dan and i broke down war games for something to sports entertainment with and it was my first time seeing nxt 2.0 in like seven or eight weeks and while it's kind of jarring a little bit i enjoy it just in the sense of it's what nxt was supposed to be which is developmental it's seeing these kids get their legs underneath them and develop going forward. NXT became the best indie promotion in the world, which didn't do them a lot of good when they went up against AEW. 
Uh, and it was never going to be something Vince cared about. Vince sees NXT having one goal, which is give me a WrestleMania main eventer. And in the last six years, they have failed to do that. They have failed to cultivate a new star and, and that guy succeed. And I don't think it's their fault. They've given him a number of amazing people, whether it was Malachi Black or uh, FTR or Karrion uh, Cross or Keith Lee or whoever it was. They they just they never made that trans that that transition up to the top because politics and Kevin Dunn and all that. The talent that they have right now in NXT, whether it is Braun Breaker or Carmelo Hayes, you see guys that do have a shot at becoming something going forward. That to me is fun. And I watched the NXT show this week, even the other buildings rinky dink. It's a fun old school Memphis style wrestling show. The storylines are very straightforward. There was a hair versus hair storyline going on. There's just goofy stuff and it's, it makes sense. And even the Gargano, you know, retirement speech or whatever it is, was good. I think he's going to wind up coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle O'Reilly comes back. Um, and then my, my low spot for the week was uh, the situation with Corey Graves. So this was the whole thing on Twitter where a former NXT backstage announcer criticized commentators who spend too much time talking about women's appearances. And it was a thinly veiled shot at Graves, who I know you guys don't necessarily watch Raw. When he's talking about the, the woman he's fawning over, it's Carmella, whose gimmick is she's the most beautiful woman in the world who also happens to be his fiance. And his response back to this woman was, you need to be able to tell the difference between the person and the character. And if his character is supposed to sell that Carmelo is the most beautiful person in the world as a heel commentator, that's what he's supposed to do. And the internet piled on top of him and hated him. And Lance Storm had the best response, which was this NXT uh, backstage woman probably wants referees fired for not paying attention during matches. Like you're, you're within the confines of a story. It's not like he's being lecherous for the sake of he's being lecherous. It's that's what the character is as a commentator in those situations. And it's very tough to criticize the person for their, their role that they're playing. He's also got to be careful about that where he's like, no, my character thinks she's the most beautiful person. I don't necessarily. <laughs> I could take her or leave her to yeah. be honest as a person. <laughs> no. All right. Um, let's uh, high high spot. Uh, let's uh, Scott. What's your high spot? Scott's on mute. Oh, here we go. That MJF video package and entrance, the tearing up. Whether it's because he's the best actor wrestling has ever produced, or uh, because it was genuine, that was an awesome moment. The match itself, the structure of it, how it went over. Yeah, that was that, that was a highlight for me. Uh, Harry? Uh, for me, the one MJF moment, uh, all that stuff was good. I, I liked it a lot. But it was the uh, when he was walking away and it was he going to go back to help Dante Martin. And it was weird because I go, oh, don't, you know, I know he's in his hometown. Don't make him a face. He's still supposed to be a heel. And like, I didn't know what they were going to do. And they surprised me a little bit because they didn't disappoint me. They did it in such a way that had me on my toes. Like, what are they going to do conceptually? And eventually they did the right thing within the confines of the character. But it took me for a ride. And it's been a long time since I've been on. Those rides are rare for me because I'm, you know, since I was a little kid when you don't fully understand everything and how it all works behind the scenes. So it was still surprising. And I like that little moment 
That yeah, was, Harry, that it's was, like it's like you're safe. We should we should make a video like yeah, you know, yes. those abused dogs. They won't hurt or it's you. It's a WWE year. viewer, and then it's like the months, and then finally a year of like watching AEW, and it's just running through the backyard. No, I, I just, mean it's his no, mother's backyard, you know, but still. Now I just want to see like Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin surrounded by a bunch of fat guys in NWO shirts. <laughs> <laughs> in the arms of Alan Angels. <laughs> 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 oh that's great <laughs> can't hurt you anymore uh robert uh yeah so i had two, i have two high spots uh the first I, obviously the mjf stuff is awesome his post mat his post show promo that they put online was pretty fantastic well, I um yeah i didn't know and that. the weirdest one that i'm gonna i never thought i would say this i fucking love sean spears in this role in the battle royal trying to save mjf every time was he's fantastic he's the best brandon cutler that they have and i i love him for that role my, my second high spot because it's in raw is such a slog and it, this is just so weird and i can't believe this is real the vince mcmahon austin theory segments are like something out of david lynch twin peaks it's like it's turning into call me by your name a little bit it's so <laughs> weird there's a part, if you haven't seen it, where Vince tells Austin Theory to impress me. So Austin Theory unzips his vest, shows off his abs, and starts doing jumping jacks while Vince is leering at him. This is the, either the most subversive or most fucking weird thing I've ever seen on television, and I love it. <laughs> oh, man. If only we could all watch our former bosses lose their minds. <laughs> Man, if, if there was a way to see uh, McDonald's manager Paul uh, fucking going senile, I would love it. Um, I'll, so I'll say, for me, my high spot is uh, hearing that both Triple Mania and War Games weren't that great because I don't want to watch more wrestling than I already do. Wait, wait so, hold on. Saying Triple Mania wasn't that great is like saying Pearl Harbor was kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. Triple Mania was one of the worst shows in the history of us watching shows on here. And if you haven't listened to the Patreon, we'll be break that down and, and, and motherfuck uh, Dan for making us sit through this, uh, who yeah conveniently decided not to show up for the Patreon episode when he made us watch Triple Mania. So good on you, Dan, for pulling, uh, pulling that stunt on us. Yeah. Guys, I have a new high spot. Yeah. Yeah, Hangman just tweeted about uh, getting fined by AEW for putting hands on Brian Danielson. So oh, still made it make sense. Yeah. All right. And finally, uh, the Twitter question of the week. Uh, this one came from uh, Andrew Day on our Facebook page. Uh, he wrote it. I was like, yeah, let's just fucking do it. It was great. What does Cody have to do to get fans to stop booing him? Here we go. At Big Red 10125, threatened to use his executive vice president position to get QT more screen time. At Mike Spear Jr., tear his quad and return seven months later at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> at Steve Lurie, he just needs to beat Hangman for the title. Undoubtedly, there will be cheers in the Lawrence household after Mike changes belts on his action figures. <laughs> Mike does At that. <laughs> at caffeine disaster cody places pillow on vince's head says shush now old man you knew it would come to this 
<laughs> at Dan Bean Sports, realize that maybe Homelander isn't the best role model for when you're trying to be a good guy. Yes. <laughs> at Lenton Lee's, point to the sky and sloppily copy Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> at Lash7247, he has to have the original horseman hold him down and sandpaper off that god-awful tattoo on his neck. Oh, Stop dyeing his hair blonde and tone down the douchey vibe just a scooch. Uh, at Human Tornado, polka dots. At Lucha Safety <laughs> Brothers, the truth is, my real name is Cody Runnels, and I've been living with leukemia for the last 11 years. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And, and I, I will say that in parentheses, sorry, I had to, LOL. <laughs> that made it better. Yeah. And then finally, from, from Andrew Day himself, at Huskers88 is his Twitter name. Uh, steal the egg from Vince. Place it on the Triple H throne. Smash it with a sledgehammer. Bury the remains of said egg with the golden shovel. Tell WWE to go fuck off in a live promo on Dynamite while saying a tennis racket was always a stupid weapon. Never mind, this won't work. <laughs> I do like my, my buddy Adam saw this and he texted me that what he really wants is he wants Cody to get super fat like Dusty or like on It's Always Sunny and just like legit commit and put the weight on and then just be like, cool. a, a, like a Chris Hero size wrestler and that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> Cody Rhodes loves Rocket Road. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is a great episode. Harry, thank you so much for joining us uh anything to plug where can we find you uh you can find me on all my social media at harry trajanian uh that you know that's simple enough but thank you guys for having me that was super fun yeah man thanks for doing it man great job uh scott uh plugs uh, scott underscore chaplin on instagram and twitter and wrestle roast on twitter all right robert uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Uh, Dan and I did two Something to Sports Entertainment with this week. One where we broke down uh, war games and the other where we watched Raw with uh, Dan's friend who doesn't watch wrestling. And he gave us his interpretation of what he was watching. And if you thought you were embarrassed to be a wrestling fan before, listening to a non-fan oh. try to describe what he just watched on TV uh is is way worse also for our patreon this weekend uh i know we're doing uh fan questions that have come in uh forbidden dork questions also dan texted to say he will be doing both his ryback and minoru suzuki jokes on the patreon this uh that we were doing this weekend best deal in the history of patreon also buy our shirts yeah buy our shirts and uh you know facebook page is great and fun Twitter's fun. Um, yeah, interact with us. Uh, buy a shirt, and one of us will call you. I, I called a guy uh, this weekend, uh, Ryan Doty. He was awesome. Um, yeah, we have awesome fans, and we're, we're thankful for you guys. Uh, Zach? Wash your hands. <laughs>